0: At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Welcome to our Christmas message series, Eyewitness, Finding Your Christmas Story in Theirs, where you're invited to find your story in the extraordinary experiences of the men and women who witnessed the very first Christmas. Together, we'll see that no matter who we are, the coming of the Christ was for us. Just like Joe said, sometimes there's routine and you got to mix it up for a fresh move of the Spirit. We're going to trust in this one. So, thankful that it's Christmas. So excited about that show of hands. Who prefers Christmas Day over Christmas Eve? Christmas Day? How about those of you who are Christmas Eve? All right! All right! I myself actually prefer the day after Christmas, after all the stuff and the commotion and everything, and to be able to just... Take a deep breath and spend more time with family. I love that. More than that, I think I like the lead up to Christmas. As the world through fall and rain and mud is kind of dreary and you can see things at night come to life with Christmas lights and people seem to be getting into the spirit and the radio station is playing more Christmas music. That just just enlightens me. I, I just love it and especially Christmas movies not Hallmark movies <laughs> right my wife likes the classics you know things where they sing white Christmas stuff like that I'm not down with that either I'm more like elf <laughs> you know Will Ferrell and I are about the same size I always picture myself working with the little elf tools and sitting on Papa Elf's laugh and wondering you know how would that work out I'd like to see myself as Ralphie defending his house against Black Bart with that Red Ryder BB gun. I love that. And Home Alone, we love Home Alone too. We've just finished last night Home Alone, Home Alone 2, Home Alone number two. And it was funny because all of us were in the living room watching the movie, and every time the Wet Bandits. I think they're the sticky bandits in the second one. Every time they would take something in the face or fall two stories and you would hear that thud, the whole house gave out this collective, oh! (laughs) And it was funny because all seven of us did the exact same thing. You know, they got a lead pipe in the face and it was, oh! And then they tumbled two floors down into the basement and then again. We could feel ourselves in their role. We could feel their pain. And a lot of good stories do that. A good stories, good movies, a good book allows you to see yourself in the place of the characters that are in that story. And that's what we hope to do through this sermon series. We want to take a second and be able to insert ourselves in the experiences of those who were there. Christmas is said to be the most wonderful time of the year. And I think you can agree with me on that. But it's not about the food, it's not about the lights, the music, or even the movies. It's about the Messiah, coming to earth through a virgin to eventually go to that cross where his love poured down to save us from sin. Can you imagine what it would be like to have been there and witnessed it firsthand? To have been part of that first century group of people who actually got to see it unfold in front of their own eyes. How overwhelming and amazing that must have been. And we want you to experience that That birth of Jesus through their eyes this Christmas. So for the next few weeks, we're going to be in a series called Eyewitnesses as we seek to find our Christmas story through the experiences of the men and women who were there that first Christmas. We're going to spend time in Luke and in Matthew, and we'll see that no matter who we are, the coming of Jesus was for us. Specifically this morning, we want to see that the big idea in our text this morning, Luke chapter 1, is that nothing is impossible with God through this story of Mary as we look at her first hand account in Luke chapter 1 I hope you will find yourself in her story and I truly hope that you will respond to God's call in your life the same way that Mary did so are you excited Christmas is upon us ready to dive into the text this morning we're in Luke chapter 1 we're gonna start in verse 26 as I do this one-handed Because nothing is impossible with God, we can trust that no matter what our earthly circumstances are, when he calls, he provides. If we look at verse 26, the narrative opens with the angel Gabriel being sent by God to this backwater town of Nazareth. Nowhere in scripture is Nazareth mentioned it doesn't get any mention in extra biblical literature there's one place Nathaniel when he was being called in John chapter 1 he says can anything good come from Nazareth sick burn Nathaniel on the town of Nazareth being sent by God the angel Gabriel avoided Jerusalem which was the epicenter of God's work for centuries he could have gone there he went to the middle of nowhere To Nazareth, which was a shoddy Roman and Gentile overrun, infested kind of truck stop of a town in the middle of nowhere, whose only desirable trait was that it was between two port cities. So we can see here by the place that God already has something going on. He sent an angel to a town that was completely out in the middle of nowhere, avoided the splendor of Jerusalem in the temple. So you can see, yeah. God's up to something here. And that's the where of the story. But what about the who? Keep in mind that as Luke's writing this letter, he's writing it to Theophilus. And Theophilus knows the story of Jesus. He knows the story of the virgin birth. He's kind of like us. He's heard it many times. But uh, Luke is writing this to give him certainty in what he's heard. And look at the way he introduces Mary in verse 27. Even before Mary is introduced by name, and this is no accident, Luke paints her as an impediment to God's work. Mary is referred to as a virgin twice, who she is as opposed to what she is. She's called a virgin twice before even being named, setting up for us the physical impossibility that she could give birth to a child and therefore opening the door to God's miraculous work of conception mary's virginity here is not presented as her being holy or being a perfect vessel able to carry the son of God rather it's being set up as an obstacle to conception that can only be overcome by the miraculous if you go a little bit further back in chapter one you'll see that Zechariah and Elizabeth received a similar announcement from an angel And the pattern of these two announcements, the birth of John the Baptist and the birth of Jesus, are set up this way to show Jesus' superiority over John the Baptist. See, John's conception through Elizabeth was extraordinary. She was older. says her womb was closed. She was barren. And that was extraordinary. But God had done that before. He had allowed older women who were barren to give birth. But Jesus' conception through a virgin is beyond impossible, opening the door for it to be a complete miracle. So that's what Mary was. How about who is Mary? She was young, poor, peasant girl, born to a poor, peasant family, most likely illiterate, having nothing substantial about her that differentiated her from all of the other young girls in this backwater town. And we miss the point here. If we don't see that the greatest news ever proclaimed in Israel came to the humblest of people. Gabriel could have gone to Jerusalem, like we said. He could have picked out Caiaphas' daughter, arraigned in gold, perfectly made up. But that's not what he chose. God preferred a humble, lowly girl from a simple town. And that's the way he does his work. God does his work through those who have nothing to offer those who know that they can't handle the load of what he's asking. And they can't do it without him. And this is the heart of Mary, as we read this morning. Have you ever felt God calling you to do something? Maybe he's asked you to move in a direction that was overwhelming, and you wonder, how can this be? Maybe he's calling you to something right now, asking you to step out on faith. You probably feel insufficient. You might feel ill-equipped for the task that he's calling you to, and guess what? You are. But that's a great place to be. Know today that no matter who you are, no matter what family you were born into, no matter your circumstances or your background, God plans to use you to carry out his purposes in this world, and his Holy Spirit will provide everything you need. So we can be encouraged today through this. God not only calls, but he also provides. Like Mary, you might feel like a nobody, but to God, you're somebody to be used by him. You are the primary tool God has chosen to spread his gospel in this world. That's a beautiful task. And you might not feel like you're up to it, but he will provide everything that you need. God wants to use you to change the world for his glory. And nothing is impossible with him. But similar to Mary, we can believe that he will provide. Even when we don't understand, we can still believe. And we can be like Mary. She asked a question. Gabriel, the angel He greets her with this mind-blowing declaration. She is going to be the favored one that's going to be carrying the Son of God. She's going to be carrying the Messiah of the world. And she's overwhelmed. It says she's overwhelmed as she discerns this greeting. So she thought about it. In the face of this angel, and this declaration, she's thinking about it, and she's asking this logical question, how can this be since I'm a virgin? She wasn't disbelieving, but she was saying... I know how this works biologically, and what you're saying isn't possible. She's not doubting, but she's saying, what is God going to do? A very sincere question. Let's look at the angel's response. Gabriel's response in verse 35. And the angel answered her, said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. If I can be so bold as to paraphrase Gabriel's response to her in Response to Mary's questions, asking, what does God plan to do here? Gabriel's saying, whoa, Mary, what about, what's about to happen here is epic. All three persons of the Holy Trinity are going to be here with you at the same time. Mary, check this out. He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you or surround you. Just like you've read from the book of Moses as the Holy Spirit hovered over the surface of the deep in creation, he's going to be here like that for you. And in the same way, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Mary, don't you see that the same way that the triune God created the world out of nothing, he's also going to create this unique child through your physical inability. And then as Gabriel finished what he came to do, He leaves Mary with a sign. She didn't ask for a sign, but he leaves her with a sign so she can be sure. Her relative Elizabeth, even in her old age, has conceived a son and is now six months pregnant. This would have been a great power for God. Very miraculous, and it's a huge encouragement for Mary as she wrestles with this. What God has already done in Elizabeth and what he's doing here and now in Mary is proof of the declaration that nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is outside of his power. Nothing is too hard for him. He will always fulfill what he says in his word. God is taking an elderly woman and bringing a child to this earth through her. But more than that, God's taking a virgin and bringing the Messiah to earth. And the reason that this is such a big deal This is the moment of the incarnation, the moment of God putting on flesh and dwelling among us. This is the moment in human history that everything changes. No longer are we hopeless, no longer are we lost, but now because of Christ being with us, we can have hope in the future. And it had to be Jesus. No amount of goodness in a person could have allowed them to be that sacrifice. He had to be 100% God to live a perfect life on this earth, and he had to be 100% man to be that blood sacrifice that we we required. This is the overarching narrative of the Bible. It's God using impossible circumstances to redeem fallen mankind. And Jesus said it himself. What is impossible with men, namely our salvation, is possible with God. And as a follower of Jesus, if you've come to him in faith, your life is witness of this. He was able to draw, impossibly draw, your sin-soaked heart to himself. Believer, praise God that he has done the impossible in you that you've been washed white as snow when you responded in faith to his good news. That's the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel is not in its ability to give you a perfect, comfortable life. The power of the gospel is not for you to be able to claim riches or claim health. The power of the gospel is not in its ability to make sure you will never suffer on this earth. If that was what the gospel was all about, we could rightly say that we were ashamed. But that's not the gospel. The gospel says that dead people can live. The gospel says that people with no hope for eternity can spend it in paradise with God. And the gospel says that people like me and like you, sinners, who deserve nothing more than to stand full front in the wrath of God by the blood of Jesus Christ, by faith in that grace, can be fit for relationship with him and seen as righteous. That is the gospel. And because that's the gospel, I stand with Paul, and I hope I stand with you and say, I am not ashamed. But maybe you're here this morning, and you think, there's no way God could save me. Don't know what I've done. Don't know who I am, who I've been. God can't save me. Let me tell you that if it seems impossible for you, it's not impossible for God. When God calls, He provides. He's calling you today, and He's already provided Jesus to take care of it 100%. You are the reason that He came. You are why he was born in that town centuries ago to a poor young girl in a poor out-of-the-middle-of-nowhere town. He came for you. Is his spirit moving in your heart this morning? Is he calling you into a faith-led relationship with him? Are you wondering if maybe now is the time to go all in for Jesus? Believer, how about you? God's calling you to do something extraordinary. Is now the time that you're willing to step up and say, yes, I'm all in? Mary knew when she was talking to Gabriel that it was that time. It was all in go time for Mary. Let's take a look at how she responds. In verse 38. And Mary said, Oh, Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed. The second thing we see is that when God calls, we respond. And Mary responded without hesitation. Can you imagine the things that might have been going through her mind? What's going to happen when Joseph finds out? Will I be dragged off before the religious leaders? Am I going to be destitute and divorced raising this child in some back alley? Am I going to be stoned? How about her family? What would happen to her family as a result of this scandalous declaration? But despite any of those potential consequences, this young, humble girl was bold as ever and she said, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Wow. What a response. She's basically saying, I don't know what all of this means, but I trust God to work out the details, and I know he will work it out for good. This is an awesome, awesome display of faith for this young girl. And it reminds me of some other biblical figures. How about Ruth to Naomi, when it was go time for Ruth? Where you go, I go. Your God will be my God. Your people are my people. It's go time. I'm all in. How about Isaiah in his vision of the temple? God asking the question, who will we send? Here am I. Send me. Esther, approaching the king without an invitation because she knows she needs to do it for God's people. Similar declaration. She said, if I perish, I perish. But she was all in. How about Job? He was at rock bottom. He trusted in God so much, he said, Even if he kills me, I will trust in him. Awesome statements of submission and trust in the working of God. And a final pinnacle response that mirrors Mary's response was uttered 30 to 33 years later. It was in the garden, Moments before the crucifixion, sweating great drops of blood, as Jesus pled with the Father, Is there another way? And he came to the point where he said, Not my will, but yours be done. Church, I pray that this would be our response. When looking at the eyewitness account of Mary, she is a model of how we as Christians should respond to the calling of Jesus. She could have said, No thanks. She could have recited a laundry list of reasons why she wasn't up to the task, why she couldn't do it, but she didn't do that. She replied in humble submission. So how about you? What is your posture toward the Lord this morning? What is he calling you to specifically? You are the sole means of bringing the gospel to a dead and dying world. Is he calling you to share that good news with a coworker, with a relative, with a friend, with a family member? Is he calling you maybe to forgive somebody who's wronged you? Is he asking you to step out in forgiveness? I don't want to list too many examples because you know what God is calling you to in your heart. There's something for all of us. But it's all in how are you going to respond. Are you going to maintain a posture of selfishness? All about me? Stay in my comfort zone? Or are you going to be submissive? Are you going to yield to the calling of God in your life and step out like Mary did in total faith? He has a plan for your life, and He's calling you today to respond. And when our God calls, our excuses don't matter. Our education level doesn't matter. Right? The amount of money we have in the bank doesn't matter when God calls us. Even the amount of busyness that we have going on in our life. Oh, gosh, i got so much going on, God, I can't possibly do that. It doesn't matter. Because nothing is impossible with God. Father, we thank you that nothing is impossible for you. Lord, we thank you that when you call, you supply us with everything that we need to answer that call. Lord, we're thankful for what you have done for us. We're thankful for Jesus, that you sent him so long ago to die for our sins, and that you left us here to be the ones to share that good news with a hurting, dying world. Lord, I ask that even right now. You would light a fire of boldness in us that we would have an unquenching desire to share that good news with this world. Father, use us, I pray. Use us in extraordinary ways in this community to share your love, that your spirit can change lives and be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. And after the text that we read, Several verses later, Mary actually left and spent time with Zechariah and Elizabeth. We pick up in verse 46, as Mary is responding to the work of God in her life. And she responds in a song. How fitting to respond to God in a song of worship when he's doing something huge in your life. It's called the Magnificent. It's Mary's song of praise, and it starts in verse 46. Church, I'd like to invite you to respond in the same way that Mary did. Let's respond to God in overwhelming worship for what he's doing in this new building, in nativity, in food distributions, in his gospel going out into this community. Let's respond with a beautiful time of worship to him this morning. And let's let that carry us through this Christmas season as we reflect on him coming to this earth only to suffer and die for our sins. Let's let this entire Christmas season be a time of worship to him. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and gets you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org forward slash connect to introduce yourself today.